Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And so this morning we are looking at what Jesus said in verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And David said to me, you preach on that, do what you want with it, but I would like you to include something about mothers, bring in the gospel, and I said, oh, no pressure then, <laughs> you know. And I went home, and we all know, or we think we know, what a word means. But then when somebody says to you, now I want you to talk about merciful, and I'm thinking, yeah, I know what it means, but... How do I explain what I know what it means? And I prayed quite a bit about it and was getting nowhere. And uh, I thought, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. And then God said to me, what what do you normally do when I prompt you to preach on something when you're out speaking? And I said, oh, yeah, get the dictionary out, get the Greek out. Uh, Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Got it. And so I looked up the different translations of the scripture first. uh, And Peter's Bible, the uh, New King James, it says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. The New Living Testament said, God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. But I love the Amplify because it says, Blessed, happy, envied, and spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and salvation, regardless, regardless of their outward conditions, are merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And then I looked up the Greek and I looked up Webster's Dictionary And it says about merciful that it's compassionate, tender-hearted, kind, forgiving, and a lot of other words besides. And so I sat down with the Lord and I said, now, okay, so what are we going to talk about? So we're going to talk about compassionate first. Are we compassionate? An understanding, a caring person. Well, if you look into the scriptures, the most good example of this is Jesus, isn't it? Because time and time again, it says, and he showed them compassion, showed them kindness, showed them understanding. And in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 34, it says, Jesus had compassion on them. These were some blind men. Yeah, it's my fault, Chris. It was my fault, not yours. It should be 34, not 24. Some blind men came to Jesus. They wanted their sight. They wanted to be able to see all that they heard other people talking about. And Jesus immediately dealt with the situation and their eyes were open. They were able for the first time to see the hills, the mountains, the trees, the people. Because he had compassion on them. He was concerned. He was moved. 
with their situation. And many other verses uh, do we find in the New Testament where Jesus had compassion on people who were in need. But then in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 13 and 14, uh, and before that, we hear about Jesus who had been told that John the Baptist had been beheaded. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody of my relatives is taken home, they pass away, it hurts like mad, doesn't it? You, you get really upset. And often you just want to go away on your own and talk to God about how you feel. You want to just, you don't want all the sympathy, you don't want all the people coming and crowding around. You want to be on your own. And Jesus was like that. And I think, you know, so often we read the scriptures and we don't take a moment to try and imagine the situation. Now, Jesus was told not only that John the Baptist, the evangelist, the one who had made the way for him, had been beheaded, but John the Baptist was his cousin. He was a relative, somebody he loved, somebody he grew up with, played with, till John the Baptist, and then they went perhaps a little bit their different ways. He went into the carpenter's shop, and John the Baptist went into the desert to preach about Jesus. So can you begin to imagine how Jesus felt? But it wasn't just the fact that he died, it was the way he died, being beheaded. And it says that he went into a lonely place to be alone. Well, of course, his disciples would sort of tag on behind. And then before you knew what had happened, there was a great crowd of people. He got in the boat and it says... As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to, to a remote area alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. And Jesus saw a huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. And he could have been a bit like me when I'm tired and I hear the front doorbell and I think, that's Dorothy. She's lovely, my neighbour. But when she gets lonely, she thinks, right, I'll go and, I'll go and see Anne. With sometimes a, a, a need, but oftentimes no reason at all. She just wants to come and have a bit of company. And if you're tired, you think, oh, no, I know who that is. Oh, my goodness. But as soon as I think that, this verse comes to my mind because it says he had compassion on them. He felt for them. You understood how they felt. And not only did he sort of welcome them, but he healed all their sick, he ministered to different people, talked to them, helped them. And this is what Jesus or God wants us to be like, compassionate, caring, understanding. And then it means kind, helpful, generous. And in Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, it says, The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And that is how we can be 
kind, tender-hearted or whatever to other people because the Holy Spirit dwells within us and he enables us to show the love of God. And God's love, or the love that he wants us to show, is in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 4, and it says, Love suffereth long and is kind. And so that's what God wants us to be, loving and kind. And Paul, talking to the Ephesian church in chapter 4 and verse 32, he says, Be kind to one another. Those in the family of God... Now, I don't know about you, I love this church, and I love the people in it, and so I don't find it much of a problem to be kind. And Paul says, well, be kind to one another. Don't be abrupt. Don't, if somebody comes to say hello, don't think, oh, well, I, want to, I really wanted to go and talk to so-and-so. We'll have two minutes to talk to the one that was coming to talk to you first. Being kind. But then he goes on in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 24. He said, don't just be kind to the folk in the church. That's comparatively easy. He said, be kind to everybody. The Dorothys of this world. The people that perhaps you, in the natural, wouldn't want to be kind to. You know, there are certain people that live in our block and they swear like mad, drink like fish. If we have a get-together, there they are. The whole afternoon they are, you know, uh, and they're always sort of getting a bit aggressive and, and, and moaning about this or moaning about that. God says, be kind to them as well. Mm. Yeah, but it works, you see. Works if you constantly drip, drip, drip a little bit of kindness, you see a bit of a change. And then we talk about tender hearted, easily moved to love, easily moved to, to care, easily moved to help, to be kind. And in Ephesians chapter. 4 and verse 32, it says, And be kind to one another, tender-hearted. This is where Mother's Day comes in. I hadn't forgotten. <laughs> he thought I had, you know, but I hadn't. And I thought, well, Lord, tender-hearted. Who in the scriptures in a mother relationship was tender-hearted? Now, most people will have said, oh, well, yes. Hannah, Samuel, no. <laughs> We're going to go to Ruth chapter 3 and verse 10. And it says there, Then he, Boaz, said, Blessed are you of the Lord, for you have shown much kindness and much tenderness. Now, this is a young lady who was not an Israelite. She lived in Moab. And her name was Ruth. And she was in her village, and suddenly a man and his wife and two sons came to live in the village. They come from 
Bethlehem and it was, there was a famine there and so they had moved because there was food in Moab. Well, to cut a long story short, this young lady, Ruth, married one of the young men and another young lady called Orpah married the other one. And then some time passed and her father-in-law died, Elimelech. And then a brother-in-law died. And then her own husband died. It must have been an awful time for that family. They'd gone there, and one by one, all the men had died. And so Naomi was left with her two daughter-in-laws, and they all probably lived together. And so they struggled on their own, the three women. And then Naomi heard that the famine was over and there was food back in her, her old village, in her old town. And so she decides she's going back home. And so the girls say, well, we'll come with you. We'll come with you. We, we, we're attached to you now. Well, they started off, but then Naomi said, I really think you ought to go home. I've got no other sons for you to marry and I'm not going to keep you when I get back. I really think you should go back to your own home, to your own family. She perhaps didn't want the responsibility of the two girls, I don't know. Well, the one girl, Orpah, they were all crying. She said, okay, I'm going home. But this young lady, Ruth, said, no, wherever you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. Your God... It's interesting, that is. Your God will become my God. And so off they go. And they live back in uh, Bethlehem. But you see, the thing was, there was no man in the house to do anything. So what were they going to live on? Well, Ruth said, I'll go and I'll pick up the bits of, of grain that fall from the... Uh, fellas that are gathering in the wheat and the harvest. Because it, it, they would always let them pick up what was left in the, at the sides or in the corners of the field. And so she went. And she went time and again. And Boaz said to his workers, who's this foreigner? Who's this girl? Not seen her before. Oh, she's with Naomi. She was a, she's a daughter-in-law. She's come back with her. Oh, right. Oh, well, then drop some extra bits for her. Make sure that she's got enough food when she goes home. And then, of course, Naomi said to her after a bit, where have you been going every day? Whose field have you been going to? The, whoever it is is very kind. Oh, she said a man named Boaz. I don't know who he is, but that's who he is. So he, she said, ah, oh, he's a relative of mine. So she's a matchmaker, isn't she? Right. She decides, this is good thinking. Boaz is a relative of ours. He's a rich man. Perhaps he'll marry her. And so she does a bit of tweaking here and there. And this is when Boaz says to Ruth, blessed are you. And he goes on to say, you could have wanted a nice, young, handsome man. 
you could have gone for anyone. She must have been a pretty girl, I think. But Boaz was a lot older than her, it would appear. And so she marries him and becomes a rich young lady, and so does Naomi, and they have a little boy. But you see, she was tender-hearted towards Naomi. She could have gone home and left this older lady to struggle home back to her own place on her own. But she didn't. She said, I'll stay with you. And when she got there, she did what she could to look after Naomi and meet her every need. And so he said, blessed are you. And this is what Jesus is saying to us this morning. If you do what I've asked you to do, if you fulfill my word, you will be blessed. You will be encouraged. And I remember years ago, we went away with some young people and did a Bible study. And one morning, as we were doing some outreach work for another church, one of the young ladies was talking about the verse we'd been studying that morning, and she said, Oh, that's interesting, Anne. I said, yes, I really felt God gave me that when I was young uh, than I am now. And it was about children being around your table, one of the Psalms. I said, I don't understand it really. I said, because I really felt God gave me that. And yet, we've only got one little, we had one little boy that died and a little girl that's absolutely fabulous who spoiled me yesterday. <clears throat> with a teddy, huge teddy bear. I mean, what does a lady of 74 need a teddy bear for? I don't know, but there you go. <laughs> yes, I've got one big live teddy bear. Mind you, he's not as big as he was, have you noticed? <laughs> it's all these miles he's walking every day to get out of the wife's way. <laughs> Where was I? You've, you've thrown me now. <laughs> And I said to this young lady, I don't understand it. I really don't. She said, well, you've got spiritual children, haven't you, Anne? I said, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose I have. She's got all us kids that you brought away. And over the years, have they grown up, got their own children, perhaps moved away from the church? There's still people, still people here this morning that call me mum. And that's okay. That's lovely. God fulfills what he's promised, doesn't he? Never lets us down. And finally, the other word that I wanted to look at this morning was forgiveness or mercy. And the Latin word, I'm not going to pronounce it because I should get it wrong and then Rob will say, that wasn't right. <laughs> Means the price is paid, forgiveness. But this is what interested me. In the dictionary it said, the root word used since the 12th century means God's forgiveness. And I thought, isn't that lovely? The world has to admit that the most important thing is God's forgiveness. And in Acts chapter 13 and verse 38, it says, Brothers, and I put in brackets, sisters, listen to this. Listen. In this man, Jesus, 
that is forgiveness of sin. In other words, there's nowhere else we can go for forgiveness of sin but to Jesus. And in that very well-known verse in John chapter 3 and verse 16, it says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And you chose one of my favourite songs this morning, whoever chose the songs. Uh, this is amazing grace. Wonderful love. Uh, what's the word I want? I forgot my mind's going to blank. Amazing love. Unfailing love. We <laughs> get it right. <laughs> amazing grace, unfailing love. And when I think about God giving his only son, sending him to earth for you and me, this son that knew no sin became sin for you and me. To me, it's just absolutely mind-blowing. I sit quite often at home and weep and weep and weep for the love that God has lavished on me, lavished on you. And perhaps this morning you are here and you say, I don't know what on earth you're talking about. I don't know this God. I don't know this Jesus. Well, we heard this morning, he's standing, waiting, knocking. And, you know, you can't leave it. It's the most important decision you and I are ever going to make because it's all about eternity, where we will spend it. So often we think that life, especially if you're young, it's going to go on forever and ever. You know, we're going to have children and this, we're going to do that, we're going to do the other. Then somebody gets up and preaches about time and uses a piece of rope. Do you remember? Are you, were you listening? And the rope went all the way down there, and that's eternity. But this little blue bit is our life. I'll tell you, it hit me right between the eyes because I looked at that little blue bit and I thought, I haven't got that much. I might have about that much left. And we need to make the most of every day. But... It's not making the most of every day down here. It's where we're going to spend eternity, the long peace that goes on forever and ever. And the only way we are going to know for certain that we are going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ and God is to invite Jesus into our lives. Ask him to take over, but to repent of our sin, to say, sorry, God, Sorry for all the things I've said and all the things I've done. The fact that I haven't loved you before and served you before. And I want you to take over. And he will. And I'll tell you this. He's not a disappointment. He's proved far more to me than in all my wildest daydreams I had fancied he could be, some hymn writer said. And so this morning... We need to remember it's God's grace that has brought us here and it's his love and his mercy, his forgiveness that enables us to grow and mature like 
we want to do as a church and individually. It's him that will help us to be what he wants us to be. And this morning, he's saying to you, he's saying to me, I want you to grow, I want you to mature. And by doing that, I want you to be merciful. I want you to be compassionate, kind, tender-hearted, and to forgive as I have forgiven you. And when you think of what God has forgiven you and me from, what we need to forgive is far, far less, far, far less. And Jesus said, if you do all of this, if you do all of this, you will be happy, envied, spiritually prosperous, with life, joy, and salvation. Well, I don't know about you, I want to be like that, don't you? I want to be blessed of God. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, I urge you to do something about it today. Talk to Pastor Leanne or Pastor Dave, and they will be only too delighted and happy to lead you to Christ. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org.